one of the many things that I dislike about television or movies is I hate to miss the start. Don't you? Don't you hate to miss the start of a movie or the, the start of your weekly favourite program where, where everything's set up? You know, they, they, they either the, the tension between two characters is set up or, you know, the crime is committed. We all hate that because if you miss that, if you miss those opening moments, you can spend the rest of the show trying to work out just what's happening. Well... As Matthew begins his account of Jesus' adult ministry, he sets the scene for what is to come later. First, he records Jesus' baptism by John. Then he accounts for what happens when the Holy Spirit leads Jesus into the desert to be tempted by the devil. Then he gives us three short episodes that give us a feel into who this Jesus is. Now, obviously, we need to read the whole gospel to fully understand that. But here at the end of chapter 4, we get three incidents that tell us a lot about who this Jesus is we're about to read about. Firstly, we discover that he's a light to lighten the Gentiles in verses 12 to 17. Matthew knows and loves his Old Testament and he's particularly interested in passages that apply to Jesus. So when Jesus moves to Capernaum following the imprisonment of John, Matthew's Jewish ears prick up. He's reminded of the prophecy of Isaiah. In the latter time, He will make glorious the way of the sea, the land beyond Jordan, Galilee of the nations. The people who walk in darkness have seen a great light. Those who live in a land of deep darkness, on them light has shined. Jesus' coming is to fulfill the promise of one who will bring light to the nations, who would enlighten those who live in darkness who would bring life to those who live in the shadow of death. But notice how that light comes. From the time Jesus began to proclaim, repent, for the kingdom of heaven has come near, the light of life comes to people as they turn from their rebellion against God. It comes as they embrace the kingdom of heaven. Jesus' message is no different than that of John. John had called people to repent in readiness for the coming of God's kingdom. The only difference in what Jesus is saying is that now it has come near. The only difference of what, sorry, the kingdom is upon them now. Now is the moment that John was warning them of, preparing them for. Now it is no longer the herald preparing the way, but the Messiah himself. In fact, the way the sentence is arranged in the Greek, it might, be, might have been translated, 
from that time, Jesus himself began to proclaim. Now, it's the Messiah himself who calls people to acknowledge the kingdom, to acknowledge God's anointed king. Strangely enough, here is the king himself preparing people for his coming. Here is one of the signs of the great graciousness of God. He doesn't just send an emissary to announce his message. No, he comes himself to speak to his people. He delivers a personal message, a personal warning. The second thing we learn is Jesus comes to establish a church. God knows that people need connections, relationships. He knows how important it is for people to be part of a fellowship of believers. And so Jesus begins his ministry by calling out a group of followers who will be able to take his message of salvation. He's called to repent. He's called to others. He calls them to live with him as his disciples while he's on earth so he can teach them the values of the kingdom, so he can train them to tell others of the coming of the kingdom, so he can model kingdom lifestyle to them, so they can in turn show others how to live like Christ. Jesus' ministry begins with the call of these men to become his disciples, and it ends with him sending them out to tell others about him, baptising in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, thus bringing them into the church, teaching them everything he's taught them. Now these first few disciples are fishermen. So he says to them, leave your nets where they are, come and follow me and I'll show you how to catch people. Now, I'm sure if these guys were builders, the metaphor would have been something more like building a church. We shouldn't get hung up on the image of catching people, as I just uh, said to Alex and Ben. We shouldn't get caught up on the catching of people. The kingdom is not about collecting scalps. It's about bringing light to those who live in darkness. But notice... But when he calls these men to become his disciples, it's a call to set aside their secular pursuits and priorities, even to reevaluate their family bonds. Those who are called to be Jesus' disciples are called to reassess the way they look at the world. We're to have different priorities from those we had before. We're to bring kingdom and its values in every aspect of our lives. The path of a disciple is a radical departure from the way of the secular world lives. Thirdly, we discover from verses 23 on that one of the effects of Jesus coming into the world is that he brings healing. Again, Matthew will report many occasions on which Jesus heals various people 
of a variety of illnesses. But here he just gives us the news headlines. Jesus went throughout Galilee, teaching in their synagogues and proclaiming the good news of the kingdom and curing every disease and every sickness among the people. The coming of the Messiah, of God's anointed one, brings with it an easing of the pain of life in this world. He can't remove the pain from the world. He can't take away the illness of everyone. That will have to wait. But his coming is, is fundamentally connected with God's plan to renew his creation. And so, as he preaches the good news of the kingdom, inevitably people are healed. In a sense, there'd be something wrong, wouldn't there? There'd be something wrong if the Messiah came and nothing changed. Nothing changed on a physical level. You see, his coming is to bring salvation to the world at every level. All the things that are signs of the fallen world are healed by Jesus' presence among his people. Again, we need to understand that not everyone was healed. As I said, it's just a headline. In other places, we'll read at times where Jesus would leave places despite the number who were still coming to him to be healed because he needed to go out and preach the gospel in another town because that was his priority. But each time he was preached the gospel, as he announced the coming of the kingdom of heaven, people would find their lives renewed, both spiritually and physically. So here we have three threads that draw together. Jesus comes as a light to the light of the nations. He calls out a group of followers to form a church. And then he sends us back into the world to bring the message of salvation to all who need to hear it. Jesus still offers healing to people. He still calls people to repent because the kingdom has come near. But now, but now he does it through us. And in case you hadn't noticed, the fields are still white for harvest. There are still hundreds of people around us who have no knowledge of God or of his kingdom. I trust that you're praying, as Jesus commanded his disciples, that God would send laborers to work in this part of his kingdom. Jesus came to bring light to those that walk in darkness. That's all those who live lives without Christ. That means many of our friends, our neighbours, your workmates, the people you meet in the gym or the supermarket or even the book club or even your kids' school. They need to hear the good news of the kingdom. They need to hear it so they can find a way into God's presence. Jesus came as a light to lighten the nations. He called people to be the church. 
who would continue to share the good news with others. And his coming was accompanied with miraculous events that heralded the end of all suffering and the creation of a new heaven and a new earth. Let us do all we can to share this good news with those who need to hear it. Amen.